If you have your Bible uh, with you this morning, we'll turn to First Samuel, please. First uh, Samuel and chapter 16. First Samuel, please, and chapter 16, and we're going to read from verse 1. <clears throat> we're coming to the life of David. Uh, Saul has been rejected by the Lord because of his disobedience. And now the word of the Lord came on to Samuel. And the Lord gives him instruction here in verse 1 of 1 Samuel chapter 16. And he says, And the Lord said unto Samuel, How long wilt thou mourn for Saul, seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel? Fill thine horn with oil. You know, it's interesting whenever Samuel anointed Saul, it says that he anointed him with a, a veil of oil, a little, a little jar, man-made. But whenever he came to anoint David, he anointed him with a horn of oil. And this was God. Saul was anointed by man. But David, he was going to be anointed by God. And he says, fill thy horn with oil and go. And I will send thee to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided me a king among his sons. And Samuel said, How can I go? If Saul hear it, he will kill me. And the Lord said, Take an heifer with thee, and say, I am come to sacrifice to the Lord. And call Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will show thee what thou shalt do. And thou shalt anoint unto me him whom I name unto thee. And Samuel did that which the Lord spake, and came to Bethlehem, and the elders of the town trembled at his coming, and said, Comest thou peaceably? And he said, Peaceably, I am come to sacrifice unto the Lord. Sanctify yourselves, and come with me to the sacrifice. And he sanctified Jesse and his sons, and called them to the sacrifice. And it came to pass, when they were come, that he looked upon Eliab, and said, Surely the Lord's anointed is before him. And the Lord said unto Samuel, Look not on his countenance, or on his height of his stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord seeth not as man seeth. For man looketh on outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. And Jesse called Abinadad, and made him pass before Samuel. And he said, Neither hath the Lord chosen this. Then Jesse made Shammah pass by, and he said, Neither hath the Lord chosen this. And again Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel. And Samuel said unto Jesse, The Lord hath not chosen these. And Samuel said unto Jesse, Are all these thy children? And he said, There remaineth yet the youngest. And behold, he keepeth the sheep. And Samuel said unto Jesse, Send and fetch him. For we will not sit down till he come hither. And he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy and wherewith of a beautiful countenance and goodly to look to. And the Lord said, Arise and anoint him, for this is he. And Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brethren. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel rose up and went 
to Ramah. And we know the Lord will add his blessing to the reading of his word. Just bow with me, please, one moment, as we seek the Lord for his help. And you ask the Lord to speak to your soul this morning, that there'll be a word in season for you. Father, we just come again before thee in the attitude of prayer. And Father, we just ask thee now that thou will come. And Lord, that we'll be conscious of thy presence in our midst this morning. And Father, that indeed that thou wilt remove every distraction from us. Lord, that we'll be aware that thou art here. And Father, that thou hast something to say, say to every one of us. And Lord, I pray this morning that thou will come. And Lord, that this meeting will be impregnated by thy presence and life and power. And Lord, that thou will pour out thy blessing upon us. That is what we're hungry for this morning. We are hungry for that fresh touch from heaven. And so we ask it this morning in the lovely name of thy Son, I, I surrender to thee. And I come, Lord, and I pray that thou will take me and use me just empty, weak, and unable this morning. And Father, above all, that thy Son would get all of the glory. We ask it in his precious and worthy name. Amen. Amen. I want to, for a few moments this morning, bring your attention to this character, David. Uh, probably one of the best known characters in the Old Testament. His life covers a span of 66 chapters in the Bible. He's found in 28 books. And he was a man that God took and he used and he blessed. He protected him. He provided for him. And indeed, he was a mighty weapon in the hand of God. Now, I want to try to encourage you this morning along, along the road of life. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to take some areas out of the life of David. And I haven't got time, or time wouldn't allow me to go through all the life of David. But I'm going to lift out a few areas of his life. And I want you to apply them to the hearts of every believer here this morning. You're going to see what you have in common with him. I can hear someone say this morning already, well, there's not too much I would have in common with David. I could maybe identify better with Jacob. You remember Jacob was a swindler. He was a deceiver. He was a twister. Maybe there's someone here and you could say, I can identify maybe better with Job in the midst of the trial and in the affliction. We all can identify at times with Peter, being impatient. What about Martha? Martha was a woman who was cumbered about with much serving. She was troubled on every side. And maybe you feel this morning that you could identify with them more than with David. David, the mighty man of war. David, the mighty statesman. David, the mighty prophet. David, the mighty king. And I can hear someone say already, what would I have in common with him? Well, the first thing I want to say to you is something about the favor of David. David was born in Bethlehem. Bethlehem was the back streets of Judea. It was an uninviting place, an unimportant place, an unattractive place, and an unpopulated place. It was the backwater. It was away out in the hills of Judah. But it was from this place that God was going to take a young man and he was going to use him. Micah, whenever he writes in his prophecy, he talks about Bethlehem and he says, Bethlehem, thou art little among the thousands of Judah. 
And David was born in Bethlehem, a place of unimportance, a place of no real significance. And I say again, dear friend, it was from this very place where God was going to come down and he was going to take a young man and he was going to use him and make him a king. You see, Jerusalem was the capital of Judea, and the Lord would have, could have went there for a king. You see, if you were looking at a king in Israel at this time, this is the last place that you would have went. You would have went to one of the capitals. You would have went to a family of prestige, a family of power. But it's lovely that the Lord came down in Bethlehem, and he passed so many by, and he came down to David. He came down to David in this little insignificant place and he took him and I say again, he blessed him, he used him and he was going to make him a king. Isn't that a lovely picture of salvation? Isn't that a lovely picture and that encourages our hearts this morning? Many of us, indeed all of us, born in insignificance. Born in a place maybe where no one else ever hardly knew anything about. And yet the God of heaven bent his ear and singled us out. Whenever he went past the millions, that the Lord came in his mercy and his love, and he favored us. Friend, let me say this to you this morning. That ought to thrill our heart. That ought to raise in our heart an anthem of worship and praise and adoration that the God of heaven would ever be interested in the likes of you and me. If you were God this morning, would you have chose me? Did you wouldn't? And yet the great creator, the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, it seems that he went by the multitudes and came down to David and he favored him and he blessed him. You know, I was thinking, it wasn't Bethlehem that he got me, but it was in the bedroom beside my bed on my knees. It was there where God came down in his favor and his mercy and his love, and he lifted me out. I was thinking about Pat. It wasn't Bethlehem for Pat, but it was Bendorn. Not good. I was thinking of Charlotte. It wasn't, it wasn't Bethlehem where the Lord came, but it, it was away down to Ballykeel, just outside Hillsborough, where God came down in his love and in his mercy, and he singled her out for a blessing. I said to you this morning, you go back to your little Bethlehem for a brother Adrian. It was in Danaki that night. Whenever the word of God was preached, the harvest has passed, the summer has ended, and you're not saved. And the God of heaven came down. Isn't that lovely? And he has come to bless us. He came to favor us. Whenever John is writing in his epistle, and there's three great themes in John's epistle, the first thing that John mentions is light. He said that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. And then he not only talks about light, but he talks about life. But the great theme of John's heart was love. And this is what the Apostle John said. He said, Behold, what manner of love. 
That word manner means what sort of love? This is love from another country. This is love from another sphere. This is love from another place. Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. And the world knoweth us not, for it knew not him. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. The love of God. And the Lord has favored us. You know, David's David's name means to be beloved. Beloved. That was one of the words that Paul in his epistle, he so often uses. He said, beloved. Beloved. And I say to you this morning, dear child of God, always remember this, that the Lord has favored you and he has blessed you and he has kept you and that he has loved you. You see, David was a young man and he was born in basic poverty. But God was going to take him from poverty and put him into the palace. He was going to take David from rags and place him into royalty. He was going to take him from the fields and from the hills and put him on the throne of Israel. Ah, isn't that lovely this morning? That whenever God, he, he saved us, he didn't just leave us. But this is what, the, what John said on the Isle of Patmos, that, that he made us kings and priests unto God. Something that. Some blessing this morning, those of us that are saved, that the Lord has favored us and blessed us and he has come down and not only kept us, but he's made us kings and priests unto God. That's the favor of God. And I say again to you that he took David from from rags to royalty. He took David from poverty to the palace. But let me say this, those of us that are saved again, he took us from darkness unto light. He took us from the power of Satan onto God. He, he translated us from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of His dear Son. He took us from death onto life. He took us from being sinners and He made us saints all because of the favor of God. And I wonder this morning, dear child, have you lost the wonder of that? Have you lost the wonder that the God of heaven would ever pour his favor upon you? Think of that. Think of the mighty privilege it is that God is not only interested in us, but he he called us just like David. He came down into insignificance where you and I were, and he lifted us up, and he has blessed us. Is it any but wonder David's theme in the Psalms was, Oh, taste and see what, that the Lord is good. And that's why I'm glad that I'm saved this morning. That's why I'm glad that down in that little bedroom in 185, 105 Kulix Road, it was my Bethlehem. It was there where God, he came in his favor, his love and his mercy, and he took a man, a young man in sin and depravity. He saved him and he made him a king. And a priest unto God. And he broke the chains and he snapped the fetters. And he's blessed me every day since. That's why I'm glad that I'm saved this morning. 
And that's why I would say to you, if you're not saved, oh, friend, let me say this, you're missing the greatest blessing that you can ever have. You see David's identity because he was born in Bethlehem. But let me say something very quickly about his insignificance. You see, David was born into a family of seven elder brothers. In fact, David held the least important place in his family. You see, David, he he came years after his other seven brothers. In fact, whenever Jesse had the first seven sons, it was just like a little perfect family. Seven is the number of perfection. And then years later, David, he comes on the scene. And Jesse and his brothers, they just give him the little menial tasks. It says that he, he had just a few sheep. A few. He was so insignificant that whenever, whenever Samuel called the feast, that they never even asked him to come. And it was this young man that God was after. I can see David, whenever he starts to grow up, his older brothers come to him and they start to keep him going, you know. And this is what they say to him. They say, David, David, you you were an afterthought. David, you were a mistake. You were never meant to be here. You see, David's, David's nephews were the same age he was. And here's David, and all his life he feels so insignificant, so unwanted, just sent away out into the hills to look after the sheep. And yet I say again to you, it was this young man that God was after. Whenever Samuel asked Jesse, have you got any more children? Jesse said this, he said, there is the youngest. And that word youngest there is the word to be lightly esteemed. In other words, Jesse said this, I've got another younger son, but he's away out in the hills. That boy will come to nothing. You'll never be able to do anything with that young man. Everything that he'll touch, everything he'll do, he'll just fall at his feet. He's of no value. And Samuel said, call him, for we will not sit until he come hither. And it was whenever David came from the hills, whenever he came from the sheep, and whenever he came and he stood before Samuel, the Lord said this, Arise, for this is he. This is the young man that I'm after. This is the young man that I want to favor and bless and keep. Thank God for that. Thank God for that. And David, Samuel, he gets the oil and he he announced David. You see, David was despised by his brothers. He was even forgotten by his father. But let me say this. He was chosen by God. Let me say that again. He was despised by his brothers. He was even forgotten by his father. But he was chosen by God. That's the favor that God had upon David. Isn't that just like you and I this morning? Isn't that just like you and I, born in sin and shaping in iniquity, born with rebellion in our hearts against God, against His Word? And yet He came. And while others were not interested, thank God He was. And He came and He chose us. The favor, the favor of God. 
Let me say something not only about the favor of God. You see, David, as I've already said to you, he came later in life. He came years later whenever David's brothers were older. Uh, and they would have said, David, you're of no value. You're, you're insignificant. You're, anything that you'll touch will fall at your feet. But always remember this, that David was one of the men in the Bible that is mentioned before he even was born. And before God made him in the womb, he knew him. And this is what Paul said. Paul said that God who separated me from my mother's womb, I take great comfort in that. That long before I was even born, he knew me. And this is what the Lord said to Jeremiah. He said, before I formed thee in the womb, I knew thee. That's mighty. But you can go farther back than that because Paul said this to the church at Ephesus, that he, we are chosen in him before the foundation of the world, before the hills and orders stood, our earth received his frame. He loved me. Oh, blessed be his name. Hallelujah. And here was David, and he was favored by God. Let me say something quickly about David's faith. You see, David was one of the men that was mentioned in Hebrews 11. You can see three times in his life where David used his faith. You can see his faith as a boy, way out in the hills of Judea, as he minded his father's sheep. He came in contact with God. He came and he looked at the stars of heaven and he knew that the heavens declared the glory of the Lord and the firm and show forth his handiwork. And David entered into a relationship with God. It was then when he took his pen and he began to pen, when I consider the works of thy fingers, the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained, what is man that thou art mindful of me? Just as a young boy, it was then when he, he took his pen again and he said, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. You can see his faith as a boy. But you can see his faith with the battles. Thirteen times in the life of David, David was in a battle. And I wonder this morning, are you in a battle along the road of life? I don't know what you're warring with this morning. I don't know what you're struggling with here this morning. But you can see David's faith in the battles. You'll remember when he went down to face Goliath. Goliath was ten foot tall. Girded from the head to the foot with brass. And here was David going down with a staff in his hand and a little sling and five stones in his bag. And this is what David says. He said, the battle is not mine, but it is the Lord." And he reminds Saul, he said, there was a day when I, I minded the sheep and there was a lion and there was a bear came. And he said, the God that delivered me from the, the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, he will deliver again. And in the battles, God had put faith in David's heart that as he had kept him before, he could keep him, he could keep him again. And I say to you again, as you go along the road of life, whatever battle you're in this morning, whenever you're up against a wall and there's no one else there, you can say like David, he has delivered before, he will deliver again. 
Wasn't that the theme of Paul's heart when he wrote to the church at Corinth? He, he said there in 2 Corinthians 1, he said, He did deliver. He doth deliver. And he yet will deliver. Faith. Faith is a boy. Faith in the battles. He had faith with the burdens. You got a burden this morning. You maybe say to me, David, the mighty king, the mighty priest, the mighty prophet, what burdens would he have had? Well, I'll tell you some of them. The first thing that David had a burden with was his call. His call. God had taken this young man from Bethlehem and set him on the throne of Israel. He had the responsibility for thousands of people. Twelve tribes had bickered and argued and fought every day. And God had put him in a place of responsibility and a place of leadership. That would have been some burden. And I wonder this morning, is that you? God has called you to some area of the work and it's a heavy load to bear. And well, you know it. And just like the prophet Isaiah, you could say the burden thereof is heavy. Maybe there's a mother here and you've got a burden and no one else knows anything about it. And you would say again, like Isaiah, the burden thereof, oh, it's heavy this one. Heavy. Maybe there's someone in leadership of this assembly or in some other sphere of Christian service and you're, you're burdened this morning. It's a heavy load. Some of you dear ladies that look after your husband, not well. And every day it's a burden. And the burden thereof is heavy. David had faith with the burden. He not only had faith with the burdens of his calling, but he had faith with the burden of his children. Now listen to me. Are you burdened about your children this morning? David had, you remember his son Ammon, who created, created and formed incest with his sister. Then there was Absalom and he was a murderer. And he was a, he was a rebel at his heart. And I can see David sitting on his throne and he says, Lord, I've honored you to the best of my ability. Why has my family turned out like this? Why is everyone else's family all right but mine? Why is it my boys are wayward? Why is it my girls have turned out like this? Why is it my family's a mess? Burden with the children. But this is what David did with his burdens. Now listen to this. He says in Psalm 55, he said, Cast your burden upon the Lord and he will sustain thee. And whatever your burden is this morning as a believer, whether it's a mother with your child, whether it's a wife with your husband, whether it's your health, whether it's your job, whether it's your calling, friend, listen to the words of David. Cast thy burden upon the Lord, and he shall sustain thee. And then he went on, for he shall never suffer the righteous to be moved. 
And that word cast there, I'm ministering to your heart now, it's the word to let it go. Let it go. And that burden that you lie down in your bed with at night and it breaks your heart, let it go. That burden that's there during the day, that burden that's never, never, never leaves your side, and that the burden thereof is heavy. David learned to let it go. And I know that's easy for me to say this morning. But he said, cast thy burden upon the Lord and he shall sustain thee. That word sustain is the word he'll hold you when you can't hold yourself. Not only is it the word to hold, it's the word to hide. Whenever the gales come and whenever the storms come and whenever the enemy come, David said, cast your burden upon the Lord and he'll hold you. He'll hide you. But it also means he'll help you. Help. That was the cry of the Syrophoenician woman that came to the Lord Jesus. She came and her daughter was possessed with the devil. Her family was in turmoil. This is what she said. Lord, help. Help. And he cast his burden upon the Lord and the Lord sustained him. And friend, what he did for David, he'll do for you. You need to let it go. But not only is there David's favor, and not only is there David's faith. Let me say something about David's fears. I I can say here someone again, David, the mighty man of valor, mighty man of God. Goodness, he wouldn't have had too many fears, did he not? Did he not? Let me ask you this morning, what are you afraid of? What's that fear in your life like Goliath? And it's the very first thought in your mind every morning. And it's like Goliath who came at night and it's the very last thought of the day before you go to sleep. And it's a fear that has gripped your heart. What is it now? There's four times in the life of David where you'll find out what his fear is and I'm not going to tell you what they are this morning, but I'm just going to lift out one of them for you. One of the greatest fears I believe in the life of David, now listen to this, was the fear of death. And I wonder, is there someone in this assembly and that's the great fear in your heart? You're afraid of death. Because David, he said, there is but a step between me and death. He was hunted like a flea and as a partridge across the mountains. Every day he was on the run from Saul who was looking to kill him. And this is what David prayed. He said, O Lord, thou hast delivered my soul from the grave. Thou hast kept me alive. He couldn't believe that the Lord had kept him alive for so long. The fear of death. 
And I say again to you in the meeting, whatever your fear is this morning, I don't know. But you know. Maybe it's the fear of your wife passing away. Those things that often grip our heart. Maybe it's the fear of the future. Maybe it's the fear of your health. I don't know. But God knows. And you know this morning. And we can hide it all. We can shake hands at the door. And we can smile and we can say amen and hallelujah. And go in and go out and it's all a facade. And David's heart he feared. But this is what David did with his fear. And this is what God's telling you to do with your fear and my fear. This is what David said. He said, what time I am afraid, I will trust in thee. And I know that's easy for me to say this morning. But whatever your fear is, come to the place like David and say, Lord, whatever time I'm afraid, I will trust in thee. It was then when David came to the place and he said, Lord, my times are in your hands. Lord, whatever happens to me this week, I'm giving you that responsibility. Lord, whatever happens tomorrow, whatever happens in the days ahead, Lord, I'm going to cast it all upon you. I'm going to trust you. And that's how David, that's how David dealt with his fear. I was encouraged during the week whenever I was just reading through the Gospels again. But the first word from heaven for over 400 years, there was 400 years of silence between your Old Testament and your New. And the very first word from heaven in 400 years came through the mouth of an angel to Zechariah who was in the temple. And this is the word that came for 400 years there was silence. Fear not. Fear not. Fear not. That's a good word. And mother in the meeting this morning, fear not. Father in the meeting this morning, fear not. Why? For I am with thee. And I will keep you. I'll run on quickly here. Not only is her David's favor, God favored him just as he favors you this morning. And not only is her David's faith, and you can see it as a boy, you can see it with the battles, and you can see it with the burdens, just like you this morning. And then you can see David's fear. But let me say something to you now about David's flaw. Now you listen to me this morning. Don't you worry about anybody beside you now. Because God's speaking to your heart this morning. This mighty man of David, though he was used in the hand of God, as though he was set on the throne of Israel, although the Lord blessed him and kept him and used him, he had flaws just like you and just like me. There's three flaws, and I'll leave them before you very quickly, that David mentions in his life. He says in Psalm 19, he said, Lord, cleanse thou me from secret fault, secret sin. 
Now I'm going to come close to you now. And I'm going to ask every single person in this meeting, personally and individually, what's your secret sin? What's that sin in your life that no one else knows anything about? Your wife doesn't even know. Your children don't know. But you know. What is it? Because this was the very thing that hit the heart of David. And he said, Lord, cleanse thou me from my secret sin. And friend, I will go as far as saying this this morning. The reason why we're dead. The reason why we don't praise. The reason why we don't worship. The reason why we many of us don't enjoy the things of God. Is because of secret sin. And we nourish it. And it's just like our little hobby horse. We run back to it time and time and time again. David said, cleanse thou me from my secret, my secret faults. He said, Lord, thou desirest truth in the inward parts. Lord, what you're really looking for, what you really want from me, is you want holiness and purity and honesty. Let me ask some of you fathers here this morning, what's your secret sin? What is it? Let me ask some of the young people here this morning, what's your secret sin? Because David, he went on to pray, he said, Lord, let them not have dominion over me. Lord, don't let me, my secret faults and my secret sins, don't let me, don't let me be snared by them anymore. In other words, he was crying for deliverance. It's a good place to get. But not only was there his private sins, there was the sins of the passion. You'll remember, of course, Bathsheba. Whenever the kings went out to battle, David was on his bed, and he went out and he looked out over his balcony, and it says, and David saw. I wonder what you saw during the week. I wonder where the little click in the mouse has went this week. I wonder what pages of the magazines or the pages of the paper that your hands have turned and your eyes have saw during the week. The sins of the passion. And then David, of course, was marked by the sin of pride. You remember whenever he numbered the people. And his heart was lifted up with pride. And his heart was lifted up before the Lord. And as a result, there were 70,000 men they died. Now let me say this as I close. There's one thing about David, and this is what it was. He was a good confessor. He was good at confession. He said, Lord, I acknowledge my sin before me. And he went on to say, blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven and whose sin is covered. And I say maybe to a man in this meeting this morning, and God knows that you're in some secret sin and no one else knows. Let me say this, if you confess your sin, he's faithful and just to forgive you and to cleanse you from all of your sin. 
Maybe there's a woman here and you're involved in some secret sin and you enjoy it and you love it and you hate it at the same time. Confess. If we confess our sins, oh, he's faithful and just to forgive. I haven't got time this morning to go into it, but I could have said something about David's foe because he had a threefold foe. He had the world, the flesh, and the devil just like you. I could say something about David's friends because he had some mighty friends, men and women that stood with him, men and women that fought with him, men and women that encouraged him. God knows I've got some good friends here. But let me say as a close something about David's future. You see, David made a covenant with the Lord and the Lord made a covenant with him And he said, firstly, I will never take my mercy away from you. Never. My mercy will always be sufficient for you. Uh, And he he made a covenant with David. And David, he said, you know, the mercy of the Lord, it endures forever. Oh, even in the bad days, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. But not only did he he promise David that that, that his mercy would endure forever, he said, you're going to to reign in a kingdom that will never end. He says your kingdom will be an everlasting kingdom. And David, he could pen, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And I say to you this morning, what have you got in common with David? Well, like David, you're favored this morning. The Lord has blessed you and he's kept you and he's called you and he's provided and he always will. And just like David this morning, those of us that are saved, we have faith in the Lord. We can go back to a day when we put our trust in Him. And just as a boy, and with the burdens and with the battles, we can cast our burdens upon the Lord. And He, thank God, He'll sustain us. And just like David, we all of us have our fears. And all of us have our flaws. And all of us have our foe. And all of us have our friends. But oh, let me say this. It's lovely that those of us that are saved, we've got a mighty future. And there's coming a day when it'll be absent with the body, present with the Lord. Maybe you're in the meeting and you're not saved. Maybe you're here this morning and you're, you're still in your sin. And you're enjoying your secret sin, friend. Others may not know it, but God knows. And if you don't let it go, it'll take you to a lost eternity. And the Lord would love to make this little hall of Bethlehem this morning where he would come down and he would lift you and he would save you and he would keep you. But it's over to you now. Are you going to say, Lord, I'm sorry for my sin. I repent, I acknowledge that I'm a sinner in your sight. Lord, I want you to save me. Oh, he'll save you in the very seat you sit. And that's why I'm glad this morning that I am a child of the living God. Not because of who I am. Not because of what I have done. But all because of Calvary.
where the Son of God, he left the splendors of heaven, came down and he died for me. And on that cross he obtained the victory over death, the devil and hell. And that's why he can help you, he can protect you, he can hold you, he can hide you, and he can bless you. You know, I would feel in this meeting this morning that there is a few people and you do have a secret sin. I would feel that there's people listening to me this morning here and you are harboring something, some sin that you enjoy. And it's robbed you of your Christian joy. It's robbed you of your your walk with the Lord. You have no joy this morning. You're just here out of formality. I want to ask you a question and then I'm going to pray. Are you willing to let that secret sin go this morning? Are you willing to pray like David, Lord, cleanse thou me from my secret sin? Or will you go out this morning in the same way that you came in? Let us pray. Father, we just bow again before thee and we have given to your people what you have given to us. We would know that there's many here with burdens, with fears, with doubt. Many have known the attack of the enemy during the week. Lord, it encourages our heart that we can read the word of God and we can say like the psalmist, cast thy burden upon the Lord, the burden of the calling and the burden of the children, and he shall sustain thee. Lord, it weighs heavy on our heart again as we close. We do feel, Lord, we feel that there's those in this meeting. And they are involved in secret sin. Lord, we feel that this morning. Lord, I pray for them and I pray that you'll deliver them and I pray that you'll forgive them. And just like David, he got that fresh cleansing from heaven. Lord, I would pray that you'll not allow anyone to go out of this meeting harboring a secret sin. Whenever we see all that thy son done for us, Whenever we see what our sin did to him. Whenever we read that he was wounded for our transgression. He was bruised for our iniquities.
We ask, Lord, that thou will bless us as we part. Remember those that leave and those of us that remember the Lord round the table. We pray that our meditation of him will be sweet. We ask it in the Saviour's name.